Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Alexis. We had five kids in seven years. People think we're crazy, and sometimes we think they might be right. But most of the time, we love it. We hope this is a place where you can learn to be a better parent, but without taking yourself too seriously. Whether you're a new parent or have a few years under your belt, we hope you can find something new to think about. Or laugh about. After all, this is Parenting in Real Life. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 118 of Parenting in Real Life podcast. <laughs> we should do every other word next time. We should do it next time. <laughs> Nailed it. We're ready. Today, we're doing an awesome interview with Sandra Payne, who just wrote a book. We'll be talking about self-worth and self-love we thought it was a really good build on some of the other conversations we've had. Before we get into that, we did want to just give an update on our screen-free challenge. Yes, we are in the last week of our three-week screen-free challenge. So if you've been doing it with us, we're almost done. If you haven't and would still like to do it, we do have some resources on our website of just activities of things you can do or your kids can do that doesn't involve screens. We printed these out and put them on our fridge, and our kids have actually been using them. They'll go through and look when they're bored and have come up with some ideas of different things to do. So even if you're not looking to do no screens, it's just some activities to do that aren't screen-related. They're really great. One interesting caveat, we went on a vacation this last week. We drove three hours in the car, almost four hours in the car both ways, and so we did let our kids do screens. It was interesting how quickly they got sucked right back into screens. So if you're in the middle of the no screen challenge with us, make sure you think about how you're going to come out of this so that you're still managing screens and using them more wisely because that should be one of the benefits of this. And so we're back to no screens at all, but coming out, we, we do have plans to kind of ease back in and be more choiceful with the win. And we'll give you more updates on that and what we decide to do on our next podcast episode when we just kind of give a recap of our no screen challenge. Enjoy the interview. All right. We are really excited today to welcome Sandra Payne to our podcast. She is a master certified holistic wellness coach who works with women nurses who are experiencing psychological, emotional, moral, or traumatic injury and the shame of living with those struggles to help them find freedom from their suffering and take back control of their lives. So welcome, Sandra. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So now that we know kind of like what you do professionally, why don't you tell us a little bit about your family life? Yeah, we live in Prince George, uh, British Columbia, Canada. We have three little kids. They're just turned 11, six and four, um, two giant dogs. And I mean, my husband are every day just trying to make it work. So yeah, that's us. Yeah. Awesome. Our oldest is about to turn 11. So that's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> yes, that's right. Entering that like tween preteen age, you're starting to experience some new things. Things are yeah. changing. Yeah, yeah sure. I feel you. Yeah. 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 Well, great to get started with our conversation today. Why don't you share with us your parenting and real life moment? Yeah, um, this is such a beautiful question to ask people. I mean, there's so many stories you could pull from, right? And of course, you know, tied into what we're going to talk about today. I remember this moment very clearly. You know, it stirred the book, so it's it's really, really clear in my mind. But uh, I came into the room and my middle child, at the time he was four, and he was just sitting there looking really sad. And I asked him what's wrong, and he 
just blurted out, like, I just don't feel like I'm important. And it was like, you know, a knife in the heart because I mean, at this stage too, I've been doing so much work on myself and like, you know, trying to sift through my own feelings of feeling unimportant and feeling like I didn't have a value or purpose or just like, you know, just my own self-worth. And then to hear my kids say that back to me, it was like, oh man. So I, you know, reeling from that hit, I happened to catch a glimpse out the window and I noticed that, and it was snowing and it just organically came to me and stirred the conversation of just, I was, you know, Gavin, look out the window. Do you see all those snowflakes? And we talked about how the snowflakes were all completely unique and just the wonder. And, you know, my little one was in the room too, and he was listening and they're just watching the snowfall. I could see their little, their little minds trying to like understand that all of them were different. And then when I tied that back to him and how he is unique and, you know, really, as I'm talking, I'm talking to myself too, Mm -hmm. and like reminding myself of that. It's just such a tender moment. I'll remember it forever. Not just because I wrote a book about it, but because it's just, you know, it's ingrained in me and it really was a reminder of how important this is, the work that I do, but also the work that I do for myself and how it cascades and it creates a ripple in your family. So yeah. That's that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I love this snowflake idea. So I grew up in Southern California, so it doesn't <laughs> snow. And I remember learning this as a child, but never actually seeing snow before. And so when I went to college, I went to college in Utah and I remember it snowing and being able to see a snowflake like hit my glove. And I was so it was such an awe. I'm like, wow, they really are different. And you can really see all the little shapes and stuff. So I love that you tied that to the snowflakes and how unique and amazing that they are. Yeah. It just, it really helps to put it in like a kid understandable format. Right. And then, you know, it was interesting. It was like a couple weeks later and we were reading books from the library and we were reading a book about emotions and they were talking about how each tear actually has its own uniqueness. It's almost like its own fingerprint, each tear that falls from your Mm. eye. And I'm like, oh man, the things that we really don't have any clue about and how closely they connect with so much um, of our own emotional experience in life. It's always mind blowing. So yeah. Yeah. Before we started, we were talking a little bit off mic about shame. I, I feel like it's connected to all of this, right? And I was just talking about how I feel like even though I I grew up in a super encouraging and supportive environment, I still feel like there was this expectation and maybe it's like from our religious background or whatever, but like, you're not supposed to be proud of yourself, right? You're supposed to see the things that you need to work on. And a lot of these good things, right? Like goal setting and all these things, sometimes like the scary underside of those is that you're never good enough and, and what you are today isn't enough. So for kids and for parents, what have you seen as you talk about shame and work through shame with people? Yeah, it's such an important topic. I think we live in an entire society and culture of not enoughness. Mm-hmm. I think I, I see it in just about everybody I encounter. Now, most people don't come to me when they're feeling good, though. So, um, <laughs> but when, you know, in the conversations I have, there is a common thread of I'm not good enough. I'm not meeting the expectations. And that is a huge piece of it is that in our world, there are these huge expectations of us and put the parent hat on for a second and think about the kind of things that we strive for every day, right? Like the pressure to do it right without no idea what right even is. 
And that struggle of like having this high expectation and then with these kind of deep rooted feelings of not quite being enough or being unworthy, just struggling every day to try to bridge that gap and meet those expectations while you're in this really mucky place inside of yourself. And I think shame is it's described and it really makes sense. It's this feeling of not enough. There could be ashamed when you do something wrong and you feel ashamed of yourself, but shame is like this reflection of yourself that I'm not enough, that there's something wrong with me. And I, and I mean, our media, TV, everything, it feeds that. It tells us that we need this, we need this in order to be better. And then the expectations that we pile on, it becomes so overwhelming. And what happens with shame, which is one of the lowest vibrational frequencies that we can experience, is that it cycles into depression and anxiety. And it creates a lot of other ripple effect into other problems in life too. So, yeah. So (laughs) there's two ways you could go with this, right? Because I think as adults, we're all feeling this, but I think one of the things I want to talk about today is how do we not do that for our kids, right? We were just talking the other day with our oldest, our almost 11-year-old, about how, like, I would love if she never did social media. To me, social media, like, it has its positives, but in my personal experience, the positives haven't outweighed the bad. And, and a lot of the bad isn't, like, explicitly bad. And there's a lot of explicitly bad, but it's just that mirror that social media is, is like, here are all the people and I'm supposed to be like their best selves all the time. I I think that's where some of my shame comes from. Yeah. Yeah. I I couldn't agree with you more. We have the same conversation with my 11 year old, just, you know, around boundaries on the internet. And I think there's a huge part of me that feels afraid too, that I don't want him to feel that kind of shame. I don't want him to feel that depressed place that like, I'm not good enough, or, you know, I don't have those things. So I'm not as equal as those people that have. And I mean, a lot of this stuff does kind of stem from a fear in this ultimately like this desire to protect our kids. And when you talk about like, how can we protect them from shame? I think social media is a big piece, like really, and creating really firm boundaries around that. But then, you know, we can't shield them forever, of course. So what I feel in my heart is that it's about creating this open conversation, talking about it. And I'm sure my children would probably say I talk too much about it, but (laughs) I tend to get like the glazed over look when I start to go down those rabbit holes of like all these, you know, really kind of spiritual pieces too. Right. But I, you know, I had an experience just the other day where my son was feeling really defeated. You know, he was on the, the, the snowboarding lift and he was having a rough time with it. And I I really saw the opportunity as he sat there sharing this with me and he was feeling ashamed that he couldn't get it. He was feeling shame that he did get it and now he was upset about such a silly thing. And I will just own, I think I rose to that opportunity so beautifully and I just held him and I would just held him and said, I understand, like that really sucks. Like I feel you. And I think just empathizing and giving them free space to feel and just to be you know, in whatever authentic truth is there for them at that moment, then it creates an opening for them. And you know what? Like magic. The next day he was like, I think I could do it. I think Mm -hmm. I could go and try that again. I was like, yeah. 
yes, like yeah. huge win, right? But yeah. you know, sometimes we're so overwhelmed and we're in our own kind of heads too around everything that's happening in life that when our kids come to us sometimes with those things, it's like we don't even have the space or the capacity, but we could probably all stand to set our own boundaries with social media and you know, just put put all those pieces aside and and just be there, be really present with our kids when they're struggling. I wouldn't call myself a parenting expert. I'm totally learning as I go, but I I think that's one of the most powerful things we can do is just be accepting of them for whatever they're in without judgment, without saying you shouldn't feel that way or telling them that they don't feel that way, just letting them be in whatever they're going through and being there for them, holding them, just allowing them, you know, to cry or to be angry. And I really do think that could be one of the most powerful gifts we can give for our kids. Do you have any suggestions of like good ways to talk about feelings? As I was reading your book and I was talking to Alan about it, he was saying he feels uncomfortable sharing those type of emotions. Like, how do we make that a normal conversation or more organic in our family when we're talking about like how we feel and stuff? Yeah, it's got to be a process. If it's not something you're comfortable with, it's just starting, like just starting. And something really simple is just naming it, right? Like if you're feeling mad and you're kind of getting irritated with the kids and you're feeling like you're going to snap just to kind of pause and be like looking at them deep breath like I'm feeling angry right now and I don't want to yell I don't want to go into that place I'm going to go take a step aside or like you know something's happening in your family I'm feeling sad and making it normal that I'm especially as a dad too because you know typically women are a little bit a little bit more attuned and able to name those feelings. But for a lot of men, it's really difficult. So just to start that process of just, this is what I'm feeling. And it may feel really new for your kids too. Like, what? What are you talking about, dad? But I think it also will teach them like that it's okay to feel, right? Like it's okay Mm -hmm. for you to be sad and to cry or for you to be angry and to need to have some space so you can punch your pillow instead of getting mad at the kids, right? Just to normalize all those emotions. And you could, you know, there's so many ways that you could integrate like a practice into your daily routine, like at dinner, like what were some of the feelings that you had today? Or like describe one big feeling that you went through today and just giving the kids a chance to really just start thinking about those things. And Mm -hmm. yeah. So here's a, here's a parenting in real life moment. What, what I know, like, I know we're supposed to be really encouraging and accepting of our kids. My struggle is that sometimes I need my kids to be better. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> my kids are fighting and they're like not helping out as much as I want them to. And I think this is obviously like this reflects on me, but sometimes I think if only my kids were X, then I would be a better parent. Right. And I try and like peg my problems on my kids. So how do you, and it's okay if the right answer is like, you need to put a sock in it and you can feel all those things, but you're not allowed to say that to your kids. How do you, how do you balance that? That like conflicting emotion of like, I need to build safety and acceptance of self into my kids, but I also need them to be better. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What I was thinking is what you said is like, it's probably a reflection back at me. And then you continue talking and it's like, actually, you just probably captured exactly what you can do in that moment is I do think our kids are constantly mirroring to us what they need or what we need. And in my experience, which it's limited to 11 years, but in my experience, it all boils down for kids to attention. And if they're, you know, misbehaving or they're acting out or they're fighting, it's generally because I'm distracted. I'm, you know, working, I'm on my phone, I'm in my computer, I'm doing other things, and they just want my attention. They want to feel 
that they're the priority, right? Not everything else that I'm doing. I don't know if that resonates with you, but that's what it always seems to boil down to is like, they want me. They don't care about all the other stuff. They don't care that work is important, that bills need to be paid and blah, 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 all this other stuff. They're just like, play with me, sit with me, read me a book, like talk to me. So I think it's right. It's one of those things that like, it's not that complicated. And in fact, it's kind of intuitive, but it's hard in the moment. Oh, yeah, it is hard in the moment. And I would wager to say it's hard for all of us in the moment, right? Like those expectations, and this is a big part of the work I do too, is just like, let's put this all in the open and talk about it because the expectations are heavy. They are heavy to be carrying and struggling to try to meet these. And so, you know, a big thing that I I really encourage people to do is like to take an honest look and then start to manage those. Like what really is important to me? What is true for me? Like is having all these X, Y, Z expectations met really that critically important to me or is, you know, quality time. And so getting clear on that for us as adults too, I think really can help us to in those moments. And then sometimes we just mess up. (laughs) And I think it's, that's also okay. Owning it too afterwards, right? Like you, you know, you get upset or you're like, why can't you just behave? Why don't you just stop fighting? Like, this is so ridiculous, right? I mean, those words come out of my mouth every day. And (laughs) then afterwards owning it, like I will say to my kids often, you know what? I'm having a really bad day. I'm feeling sad. I'm mad about some things. I'm sorry that I took that out on you. I'm sorry I haven't been the nicest mom that I could have been. And they're always like, oh, you're awesome, mom. You're so nice. Like, I I love them for that. But it's like, no, I'm not. Like, yes. But there's that shame, right? Like there's that shame that just comes and pokes its gremlin face back up into your mind. And it's just like, you know, you're not good enough as a parent. Well, you know what? We're, we're all just doing our best and trying to figure this out. So I think like do the best you can and then own it when you stumble. And I, I think that teaches our kids also that it's okay to make mistakes, but also important to take responsibility for it and to say like, you know, I was, I was rude. I was mean. I shouldn't have said that and just acknowledge it and try to not excuse it, but give them an understanding of how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So something else that you talk about in your book is self-love. And I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit of how, if you don't love yourself, How do you start that process of really, truly loving who you are and feeling that self-worth? You know, I say self-love is is the journey. It's everything, everything that's evolved in my own personal healing, years of depression, overwhelm, you know, finding myself at a place where I was literally thinking, I don't want to be here. I don't want this life. I want out. I want to run. Mm -hmm. So overwhelmed and just felt like I was drowning. And to come from that place and like really to be, honest with it, everything that's happened from that moment has been about rebuilding self-love, has been about prioritizing me and my needs and actually even figuring out what the heck my needs are. Who am I? Because this is something I think a lot of parents say is, you know, we get so wrapped up in our kids and the whole family and like everything that evolves in those years. And then it's like... I don't know who I am. Like, I don't even know what I like anymore. I can't even remember the last time I did something that was just for me, like that was not attached to the kids or the husband or like the family or anything like that. And so, I mean, as an adult, I would say is just to start, start doing things for yourself. One of the first things I ever did And, you know, I was sharing about this in a workshop a couple months ago and I was crying because I was just, it was taking me right back into that moment where she was, you know, the person was telling me, 
create a, a pleasure list. I, I think she called it a, a self-care list at that time. I call it a pleasure list now, but it's like write down. She said, I think it was 15 things that you do that really fill you up inside. And I was like, 15. <laughs> so I was like, I don't have 15. She said, well, like just start with three, maybe. Okay. So three, I really had to dig for those three though. I was like, call my mom, um, play with essential oils. That was something I like to do and read. I was like, I used to like to read, you know, 11 years ago. So let's go back to that. <laughs> so I, um, yeah. And I started with that list. And then the, the commitment was to do something for you every day or as many days as you can. And it could be small or it could be a big thing, but often we think of like self-care and it's kind of watered down over the years of like, it's just another expectation that we put on ourselves. (laughs) But, But really it's like, what could I do for me? What did I do for me today? Like what space did I make that was just for me? Because as we have kids, as our lives evolve, it's like we drop on that ladder of priority. And before you know it, you're just at the bottom drowning in it. And it's hard to find your way back up. But I, I do think, you know, one thing a day, and even at the end of the day, asking yourself, what, what did I do for me today? And if it's nothing, maybe, okay, well, tomorrow I'm going to do this, like make a plan for it. Now my list, like I, it's at my desk it's like 58 long. So it, it happens like, and the more you do it, the more you start to realize what things really light you up and you start to prioritize yourself in a different way. I mean, there's so many aspects to building self-love, you know, like boundaries and self-talk and dealing with your own trauma. And there's so many pieces, but I think the foundation of it is prioritizing you and saying, what do I need? What can I do for me? How can I fill my cup? You know, the old saying, you can't give from an empty cup. It's like, mm-hmm. let's fill up my cup because you do, you end up showing, you show up better as a wife, as a husband, as a parent, as a colleague at work or whatever, you show up better in every aspect when you are replenished, when you feel nourished. Yeah. Yeah. I had that feeling as well when I was having babies and stuff where I just got to this point where like, I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't even know what I liked. Like, I think Alan at one point was like, well, go do something for yourself. Like I'll watch the kids. I'm like, I don't even know what I would do. Like, what would I do? Where would I go? (laughs) I don't know. And so I think so many parents get to that point in their parenthood and it's, it's hard to get out. But I think knowing these things like, okay, maybe I just start doing something for myself. I can help start the process of climbing our way out a little bit. And let me give you an example. Like I've had women say, I'm going to um, make my bed right? It's something that feels good to climb into a made bed. So that was something that they were going to do for themselves. I'm going to set the table, buy, buy myself some fresh flowers. The next time I'm at the, I'm at the grocery store, like they don't have to be going for a massage and a pedicure and like a day at the spa, which we typically, you know, that's kind of cliche. That's nice, but it's not a routine thing, right? It's like, how can I drop these little pieces into my life that make me feel good? And I, I can tell you like, in the beginning, my husband would say the same thing, like, go, go do something for yourself. And I would get in my van and I would drive to a empty parking lot and cry. <laughs> that, that was what I did for me. Like, it, it, I mean, it's sad, but I think I, I wonder how many people actually also <laughs> do right? that. <laughs> Not alone. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm going to do something for me. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I. I do think this is just so common, right? Like you just see this everywhere. We all need this. We all need to have better self-talk and and the the voice inside most of our heads is so negative sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I love this. So as people are learning more about this, where can they find more of you, Sandra? 
Uh, well, the best place to find more of me is on my website, which is sandrapainecoach.com. And they can find a separate page on the site that is just for the book. So the perfect snowflake is what the book is called. And I really wanted to read you just just a little snippet of it for your listeners. Yeah. So as I was explaining in the beginning about how the story kind of evolved, and so I was sitting and the image in the book is me sitting on the on the bed holding my son's face. Uh, you know, the dog is there with her head up on my knee. And it says, then she looked right into Gavin's sad eyes and softly said, my dear sweet boy, no one is like you. You are the only boy that's just like you. In this world full of millions of people, there is only one you. You, my love, are just like those beautiful snowflakes. You are special in every way because you are the only you and the world needs you. You are absolutely perfect just the way you are. Gavin hugged his mommy tightly and whispered in her ear, Mommy, you're a perfect snowflake too. <laughs> and cry. <laughs> every time I'm can I read this? Like, get through it. Because it does. I think it plucks at that part of us that is like, yeah, I am a snowflake. Like, I really like just to embrace that part of us. Like, we are all so, so important. And, you know, I think the day that we were made, God or whatever you believe decided that we needed a you. That we needed right. a you. And the more we derail ourselves from our authentic truth of who we are, we're, we're not showing up in the way that we were intended. So as goofy or as silly or as, you know, off the charts, crazy as you might feel like you are, as long as it's aligned with, you know, your truth and what really feels good for you, then we are serving the world the way that we're supposed to. I really, truly believe that. So... Yeah, thank you for letting me share. I love that. That's so great. Yeah, we were reading that book to our children, and I felt like it was just such a good way to start a conversation with our kids. And I felt like it was easy for them to relate to Gavin in this story, and I'm sure they felt that way too. And but just be able to talk about it, you know. So I'd love that this book is just like that gateway to have that conversation. So make sure you check out her book. It is fantastic. It's super cute and just a good read with your kids. Yep. And we'll put the link to your website in our show notes Mm -hmm. so you can get there quick. But thank you. This has been really awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at Parenting IRL Podcast or find us on our website at ParentingInRealLife.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, make sure to tell a friend. That's the best way for people to find out about our podcast. And if you haven't already, give us a rating. And a special thanks to our five kids for being kids.